What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada Sports Betting Podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, sleepy night on Tuesday for the show. I'll look back at a 3-3 and split in college hoops, and I've got another handful of plays for Wednesday. I give out another NCAA tournament future to play before Thursday to add to our portfolio. Then it's Let's Do That Hockey with all the numbers for a handful of games in the Central and North Divisions, and a couple bets worth making as we look to stay hot on the ice. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. We'll get you out of here quick on this Wednesday episode because i got a longer one tomorrow that I'm looking forward to. A college basketball recap to start here. Six games last night. We go three and three. It felt like we could have deserved a little bit better. Started the day, unfortunately, with you know, we, we dared Oklahoma State to blow a team out. And they did, uh, plus one and a, uh, excuse me, plus eleven and a half, with Iowa State yesterday. Uh, never really in play down the close uh, of that game as Oklahoma State gets gets done what they need to get done, and that's blow out a bad team in the Big Twelve. So we tip our cap to them. Um, in the in the evening, that was a weird afternoon game that honestly I didn't even know was happening at like four o'clock. Uh, Purdue minus five and a half that gets there. Uh, a game where they're up three four points. I don't believe they ever trailed in the second half uh, and then pulled away from Michigan State so probably the right side in that game Tulsa definitely the right side minus three and a half that gets home Um, Florida plus five they have a one point lead with three and a half minutes to go and scored two points I think the rest of the way and they end up losing by 10 or 12 points in the end Uh, but certainly at you know, 62 to 61 with three and a half minutes to go. You feel like you're on to something there with Florida plus five. Nebraska plus 10. That's a tie game with seven minutes to go. So, you know, that's a disappointing loss as they scored, I think, four points the rest of the way. And Maryland poured in, um, you know, enough to obviously cover uh, minus 10 on that side. And then St. John's uh, relatively easy way, you know, wire to wire type thing, minus two um, easily. Uh, gets the cover there uh, and ended up winning by a considerable amount. So we end up going three and three, you know, you know, listen, in a dream situation where we get all the breaks, you know, Florida stays within five, Nebraska stays within 10, and we're sitting here with a five and one, you know, night and just sort of patting ourselves aggressively on the back. But as it was three and three, you know, you sort of shrug your shoulders and move on, especially with nothing going on in the NHL, kind of a dull night overall as for uh tonight's action back uh to it with six more plays maybe an ad to come just want to check on a couple of things um i'll put those into the action network app um and uh and maybe even tweet it out there just to let you know that i've added a game if i do that uh pittsburgh minus three and a half um arizona state plus ten and a half wake forest plus seven uh, Indiana minus five, DePaul plus 13 and a half, and Nebraska plus 10 and a half are all the plays here. Um, and let's go through them. Let's go through each individual game here. Pittsburgh, uh, home game against North Carolina State. Again, just 
you know, feels a little bit short to me. Pittsburgh is a team, especially at home. I'm willing to back them. NC State is a team that I don't really like backing unless they're an underdog at home. And even then, you know, it didn't work out last week against Duke as they got absolutely trounced. Um, feels like a team, you know, in Pittsburgh here that has a little bit more to play for down the stretch than NC State. Um, and NC State, you know, if, if they come up and they get a win here or keep this one close enough to cover three and a half, Again, we'll tip our caps to them. Um, some of these other games here as we go through the board here. Marquette and Butler. If I trusted Butler at all, I would play them with a short number against Marquette. That's one that, you know, I'd think about doing. Syracuse and Louisville. Staying away from anything involving Syracuse here down the stretch. They're capable of anything. Don't want anything to do with them. Uh, I believe Louisville, if I'm not mistaken, is off of a COVID break. I would have to double check that. Um, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. I had this number at four and a half for Kentucky, and apparently I was being generous even against Vanderbilt. Now, Vanderbilt having a couple of really good results here in the last few weeks. But at plus three and a half, that's still too short for me to bet Vanderbilt here to beat Kentucky. Um, talked about Nebraska and at Maryland, plus ten and a half, essentially the same number as it was yesterday. But again, Nebraska knows they played literally to a tie for 33 minutes with Maryland. So why wouldn't I go back to the well there and just hope to get a better finish? And some of the shot selection was pretty grim for Nebraska down the stretch, but a team that can play for 33 minutes with Maryland. Uh, and again, you get the Maryland sort of maybe overconfident that they know that they can kind of dick around for 33 minutes and still win and cover comfortably. Um, Richmond and VCU is an interesting game that I'm keeping my eye on as we sort of, again, widen what we're looking at, right? Dipped into, uh, what the American yesterday with Tulsa, uh, one more thing on last night's, by the way, UConn finally gets James Booknight back and he was incredible. And of course they cover comfortably. That's what we were looking for when we were betting on UConn on Saturday, thinking that he was going to play, but of course doesn't go our way so um interesting that he's back um arizona state usc mentioned that you know obviously we're hoping for uh, a couple of the guys that they were missing um against oregon and oregon state over the weekend uh i think we are going to get at least one of those guys back and even if not i think 10 and a half still a little too high against usc not going anywhere near kansas kansas state kansas seems to sort of quietly have it going a little bit here i mean you could say that they just played iowa state a couple of times and we saw what happened yesterday with iowa state at oklahoma state so i mean at gunpoint at home kansas state plus 13 is probably what i would play but it's just there's just no reason for me to bother with that one uh, maybe a little bit of a letdown spot here for Loyola Chicago after you know they played back-to-back -back with Drake over the weekend um, won one comfortably and then lost a close one in overtime to Drake on Sunday sort of the big time matchup in the Missouri Valley Conference and now they've got Valparaiso coming to town and it's a 19 and a half point spread Again, I'm not going to bet it necessarily, but sort of worth mentioning out there that this does feel like a spot where, like, why would Loyola Chicago be so up for this one against Valparaiso? Uh, DePaul, Seton Hall, um, again, betting DePaul plus 13.5, completely terrifying. That being said, 13.5 points is, you know, this is, I'm going to reference Oklahoma State yesterday, even though we lost that, but this is the same kind of deal. If they can beat a team, you know, if Seton Hall can beat a team by 14 points, even one as bad as DePaul, again, we'll tip our cap. 
and congratulate them for that. Um, strict Duke fade at this point, right? You know, if it doesn't work this time, we'll try it again next time. Um, wake plus seven. I had this number closer to five. I think the number opened five and hopped up to seven. Don't agree with that move whatsoever. Uh, Minnesota and Indiana. This is a number, again, that I had at five and a half, available at five. Got to hit that um, because, again, I think Minnesota on the road is just never an option. And Indiana, we, I, you know, I made fun of them a ton last year because it was like, you know, oh, they're on the bubble. And, you know, uh, Miller was all upset because, you know, people didn't have his team in the tournament. Of course, there didn't end up being a tournament. But they would just never actually win the game. They would play close with all of these teams, but they would never actually get a key win. And so they were like 13 and 13 or something. And it was just like, could you just get a win? And I think this is a spot for them to actually get a really good win. Or not, I shouldn't say a really good win, but a big win at home against Minnesota. Uh, South Carolina and Tennessee. Number's a little high for me with Tennessee, but I'm not looking to back South Carolina. Uh, Utah State at Boise State almost pulled the trigger and sort of getting more into the Mountain West here with Utah State plus one and a half. That is the number that I made it, so it's not like there's any necessarily value going on with that game. One last thing in college basketball. I have a future to add to our portfolio. Talked about the portfolio uh, in that dead zone between the Super Bowl, between the championship games and the Super Bowl that Friday. So go back and check that segment out if you want to hear more about our portfolio. But we're going to have another ad here. And I don't know that it's the last ad, but it's certainly one that I've been looking at for you know quite some time. And that's the Oregon Ducks at 70 to 1. I've even seen over at Circa, it's like 75 or 80. It's like a higher number that like I would consider, you know, flying to Vegas tomorrow to bet. Not really, but like that's a really good price. Um, seeing it more in like the 60s here in Canada at some of the websites that we have available. So I want to talk a little bit about Oregon here and why I think that they're a valuable team and so first and foremost we needed to get through last weekend on the road to arizona state now they were extremely banged up but we didn't really know who was going to play as we never do we didn't really know that going into that game and then they play arizona and again two point underdogs i think they were two point underdogs in both games if i'm not mistaken and so you want to get through those games before you go okay like let's hop on this because we knew that the number wasn't going to change all that drastically after two games that are kind of under the radar, right? Arizona not involved in the tournament this year. Um, you know, Arizona State, certainly a team that was held in much higher regard at the start of the season before a bunch of different issues happened um, with their best players. But now I think is the time. And the reason for that is the game on Thursday against Colorado. And so if we look at, you know, Oregon's schedule this year, Given the fact that they just found themselves back in the tournament here, according to Joe Lunardi, a 10 seed currently, they were sort of in the last four in, last four out up until this past weekend. But I think what this last weekend showed is that this team is who we thought they were going to be. Now, still minus Dante, their you know, big man who uh, tore his ACL after like five or six games earlier on in the season. But this is a team, you know, no Peyton Pritchard, obviously. And so you sort of look and you go, okay, two of their main guys from last year when they were making a late run up the standings, up the rankings, if you will, um, you know, those two guys are gone. And so they sort of follow under the radar and they're under the radar because they haven't played that many games, right? And so you have a lot of these teams and you look at their resume and it's good resume, bad resume. Oregon has no resume. 
or up until this past weekend, essentially had no resume. They, you know, lost four games this season, all very excusable losses. Um, maybe not from a program standpoint, home loss to Oregon State in there, but that was when they were missing like half of their team. And they've had two different COVID breaks over the course of this season. Then they came back, they lost to Washington State, when again, they only had like half of their main guys. And so now that they're finally healthy again, obviously the key is let's stay healthy here for the last five games of the regular season and the Pac-12 tournament. But when you watch from an eye test standpoint, you see the players on the court and you go, well, this is a team that I can picture playing on the big stage. And when I say the big stage, I literally mean the Final Four, the raised court and the, that actual stage. And we'll talk later on in the week about the teams that I think that can actually win this tournament and win a game on that stage, right? Obviously, Baylor and Gonzaga are the two favorites, but there's got to be other teams that just from an eye test standpoint, you look and you go, yeah, I can picture that happening. And I think Oregon is one of those teams. It's going to be an uphill battle because of the lack of resume that they have. Now, they're starting to put a resume together here with those two wins in Arizona. And they've got this game against Colorado. Now, I wouldn't blame them if they lost to Colorado. Colorado, a team that is part of our portfolio. So we think highly of Colorado as it is, right? A veteran team, really good point guard, a team that can win on the road against a really good team. But this is a game that I think, uh, you know, is more important to Oregon than it is to Colorado. Colorado's already got a win against Oregon early on the season at Colorado. Again, completely understandable loss, you know, for Oregon. So Oregon's gonna play this game and if they can win this game, they're obviously increasing their rating, right? They're, you know, the seeding is going to improve. They're gonna go from a 10 into the eight, nine game in all likelihood. It's going to sort of put them back in something of a spotlight. Now the Pac-12 for, you know, political reasons and just the fact that they haven't played very well, both in football and basketball, is sort of considered this lesser than conference now. Throw in Arizona's lack of involvement in the tournament this year due to disciplinary issues, and you're just going like, why would I ever pay attention to the Pac-12? Because of Colorado? Because of maybe Stanford gets a bunch of guys back and they end up being pretty good? Because Oregon? Like, what's Oregon? They don't even ever play. Like, why would I pay attention to that? So the point is, is like with with a win against Colorado going into the last four games, that include a revenge, a revenge game against Oregon State. There's a trip down to Cal and Stanford, both very winnable games. Um, Stanford obviously a little bit better now that they're getting their guys back too, but that's just another chance for Oregon to augment their resume. Then you get into the Pac-12 tournament where you'll get another, potentially get another shot at a team like USC, if not Colorado for a third time, if not Stanford for a third time. And so the point is, is that they're going to have between, you know, six and nine games, I guess it would be, for them to improve their rating. Now, the point is here is like you got to move up to have a better chance to get to the final four, right? Getting there as a 10 seed, really tough. Getting there as an 8-9 seed, really tough. Having to face a 1 in that second round is what you want to avoid. So the target is closer to a 7 seed. Right? And if they can get to a seven seed and they end up playing, let's pick a random two seed here, looking at the board, Houston. If Oregon and Houston meet in the second round of the NCAA tournament, and because Oregon's a seven seed, we're going to assume that they've obviously played pretty well here to close the season. Are we sure that Oregon's even an underdog against Houston on a neutral court? I'm not. 
especially with the way that Oregon looks, right? Like Oregon has the horses here to be a good team. They just haven't really had the opportunity to show that so far. So knock on wood again, hopefully they stay, stay healthy and can do that. But there's a very real possibility. Listen, if you're going into a round two game and it's a two versus a seven and you've got Houston futures at you know, 25, 30 to one, whatever they happen to be right now, and you're in a pick em game already because you're matched up against Oregon. God forbid it ends up being Alabama or Illinois, right? And you've put up the, the, these, um, you know, this really good resume all season long and you get a two seed and then you look up in the second game of the tournament, you've dispatched of a 15 seed and guess what? You get Oregon at full strength and you're a two and a half point favorite. Is that something that we're going to want to see? We're certainly not going to want to see that. And I think you're getting a ton of value at that point with Oregon, right? If you're in the same position, if you're in a game that you're a pick em, you know, within a couple of points, if you're in that game and you're sitting there with a 70 to one team and the other guys are sitting there with a 20 to one team, there's obviously some value there. Now, I know we need a bit of a process to get there, but the point is, is the team has the guys, right? They have the ability to move up into that spot with just enough time left in the season. But the key is this has to happen before Thursday because if they win, there's a very real chance the markets open back up on Friday and Oregon is closer to a 50 to one type team. And when they're closer to a 50 to one type team, now you're not getting that same gap that you're getting in that two seven type matchup between a, you know, a Houston at 25 to one or an Illinois at 21 to one or Alabama 20 to one, et cetera, et cetera, right? So we wanna get that now. If they lose to Colorado, you know what? It's not the end of the world, right? It's sort of a free opportunity to get a statement win. I don't think they get bumped off of outside of the tournament because I think they've shown enough in the last couple of games that we shouldn't be that worried. They'll get another chance on the road against Stanford. They'll get a chance to avenge the loss to Oregon State. And they'll get a chance in the Pac-12 tournament to get a quality win or two. And sort of the worst case scenario then ends up being that they end up as a 10 seed where they are right now. And if they're a 10 seed right now, that's still pretty good because again, instead of being a seven seed, they're a 10 seed, which is kind of the same game. I think it'd be a situation where they would end up being a favorite against the seven seed because I don't think any of the sevens or any of the teams capable of being a seven are particularly good. And so I think you end up getting Oregon minus four and a half in the first game against a seven seed. Then they win that game and guess where they're at? They're at the exact same point that we just I that are sort of ideally we were trying to get to, right? They they become the seven seed. They are now playing the two seed, and we are right back in that situation that I just described. And maybe they win all these games. Maybe they win the last five. Maybe they sweep through the Pac-12 tournament, and maybe they end up in one of these deals where the committee, you know, realizes, holy cow, like this team's really good. Uh, you know, one of the favorites to win the Pac-12 to start the season. Obviously a bunch of COVID issues, but look how they've played in their last 10 games. Who's to say they're not end up in, you know, a four or five type of a seed, right? And at that point, a really good Oregon team as a four or five seed, maybe they end up in a non-Baylor, non-Gonzaga, uh, you know, quadrant region, if you will. So there's a bunch of different ways that this can get better. I don't think right now with the full team that it's going to get worse than them as a 10 seed. And so I just think that there's a route here that, again, the price could get better with a win against, thir uh, against Colorado on Thursday. And I think it's just something to grab right now. So that's the story with regards to college basketball. And of course, you know what that means. As they say in hockey, 
Let's do that hockey. Thank you, Laszlo. Yeah, it's time to get back into hockey. So last night, um, for the second straight night, the game in Dallas gets postponed. And if it wasn't enough with postponements due to COVID, we get weather postponements in Dallas. Dallas is going to end up playing like 20 games in the last 20 days of the regular season. So quiet night, nothing to play. Um, you know, you can stay hot by going zero and zero. And that's what we did last night. We're looking to keep it going here tonight. So I want to talk about, obviously, all of the games, essentially, in the North and Central. So we'll start with the North, and Ottawa and Toronto are back in play here again. And obviously that went well due to the incredible comeback on Monday and all of that sort of thing. And the price hasn't changed. It hasn't done anything. Uh, you know, that game didn't do anything to dissuade the market with regards to that price. So first and foremost, let's talk about that price. And if we're sort of rounding it around, obviously different prices in different websites, we're rounding it around to about minus 300 for Toronto, in some cases higher than that, insanely enough. Uh, and then plus 250, uh, maybe even a little bit more for the Senators. So again, fundamentally, like Monday, the value here is on the Senators to, you know, not necessarily win the game, but win the game more often than this would suggest. So a minus 300 plus 250 price suggests that essentially Toronto is going to win this game 75% of the time, right? Talked about that yesterday. So if we're getting a price like of that nature right where we're paying for a 75 percent probability with toronto and and my numbers make it a 60 to 40 type game 62 you know to 38 that kind of thing then yes like in a vacuum you want to play that big price on the ottawa side but you know, it still doesn't change the fact that even though the price is good, I still think Toronto wins the game 62 out of 100 times or 63 out of 100 times. And so there has to be an element of, well, do we think this is one of those 62 times? And can we save ourselves a unit here by not just kind of blindly finding the value, right? Because there's going to be points like the, the value is never on Toronto. Right? You could bet against Toronto every game across the season, and I think you probably end up making money at the end of the season. A couple of you know, a couple of pennies here and there. But the point is, is like if the situation suggests that this is there's a higher probability than normal that Toronto wins this game, which again, after losing that game, I'd like to think you're gonna get sixty good minutes of hockey from the Leafs. Again, even if I think that they're going to win this game 60% of the time, I think tonight is one of those games where they win, you know, one of those 60, if you will. And so it doesn't mean that I want to pay for that, right? I'm not betting Toronto because I think that this is when they get one of those wins on their side. It's really just more like, okay, we're going to use this as a stay away situation for Ottawa. So no bet on, you know, for me, if you're a little more intrepid and you're just blindly going for the value here, then yeah, like plus 250, uh, you know, and more is more than enough value in a vacuum to bet on the Senators here. But again, it's just, we've already won what we came here to do. And, you know, in thinking that they were going to win one of the three games, you know, I don't think we thought that they were going to win two out of the three games, even just from a percentage standpoint. If I think that, you know, Toronto's going to win this game 63% of the time, that's about two-thirds of the time. So 
you know, we were lucky enough to get our one third already with Ottawa. So there's no need to sort of press our luck when it comes to that one. Vancouver and Calgary obviously just played three games in Vancouver. Now it shifts over to Calgary. So the pricing changes um, and the price is overpriced right now for Calgary. And so we have to uh, stay away at this point. Um, you know, they get the win against Vancouver in that last game. And I'm not just going to say I was disappointed with how they played, but a 1.87 to 1.81 expected goals um, in favor of Calgary, obviously by not that much, five on five, you know, suggests that they didn't put up the same level of competitive, you know, the same good game that we were hoping that they were going to have in that third game. And so the price moves up to minus 150 here for Calgary. And that's just a little bit too high. Minus 150, minus 155, that's just a little bit too high for my liking. I think a fair price would have been closer to minus 140. I've got minus sort of minus 143, you know, Vancouver plus 123 was sort of more my inclination. So no value on Vancouver necessarily either. Um, at, you know, what, plus 130, sort of the best number that I'm sort of seeing out there right this second. Um, so again, just by and large, just stay away here as I'm not looking to uh, pay the price here for Calgary, especially as these teams become more and more familiar with each other playing, you know, tight games, right? Calgary won two out of three. We were on Calgary in both of those games, but both are really tight games. And so I'm just, it just feels uh, like a stay away for me in this one. Um, the one game that I'm going to bet in uh, the North here, Winnipeg and Edmonton, uh, I'm looking for minus 140 here. Um, I think that there is a site that has that available. That's available over at Pinnacle right now. Um, that's the price that I'm looking to pay for. Edmonton wrote an action preview about that, so you can check that out over on the ActionNetwork.com or the Action Network app. And so, you know, pretty simple here. Um, Mike Smith buried the set, the Oilers in that first game on Monday. Uh, giving up four goals in the first, you know, 23 or minutes or so. They're down four to one. Edmonton storms all the way back, ties the game at five, and Winnipeg gets the game-winning goal late in the third. And so, you know, pretty simple handicap here. It's like, let's not start Mike Smith. Let's play this thing from 0-0 with Koskinen in. And as much as we don't necessarily like Koskinen, you know, um, obviously there's a revenge angle here too from Edmonton. So you get a revenge angle, you get the home ice, you know, the 5% edge for home ice. Um, you get a 5% edge for just, you know, win probability for the revenge here based on what's happened so far this season, as it's, you know, been pretty consistently 6 to 7% uh, increase in win probability if you lose the first game. Um, and so all these things sort of mean something. And obviously, just from an eye test standpoint, watching Edmonton uh, able to come back and even just tie that game, right? Could easily have gone to overtime where now you're dealing with the Dreisaitl-McDavid combination, three-on-three, three, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So um, Edmonton definitely the one play for the North here. Again, minus 140 is sort of the target price. Uh, once it hits minus 150, it ceases to become um, in any way valuable um, at this point. And then as for the Central here, just bringing it up. Um, oh, right, Chicago and Detroit. Just you know, pretty simple, right? Same handicap as it was on Monday. It was the one game that we lost as Chicago goes to overtime, wins again. Another preview available on the Action Network, uh, Action app, and actionnetwork.com. Um, pretty simple here, right? Like Chicago, you don't want anything to do with them if it goes, if the game goes to overtime. That seems clear, right? Two overtime wins against Dallas, an overtime win against Columbus, an overtime win against Detroit. They've won four of their last five, five of their last six, but the last four wins have all come in three-on-three -three overtime, which is a pretty fair strategy if you're the underdog, 
right? It's a fair strategy all the time, but from a betting standpoint, it's a fair strategy. Just get to overtime where we excel. So we love back in Chicago at plus money, whether it's against Dallas, Columbus, any of these sort of middle of the pack teams, um, even, you know, some of the big, bigger boys, right? Because you're getting a bigger price. But in this case, it's still Chicago as a road favorite. And five on five, Detroit was yet again the better team, which is in keeping with the fact that they're the better, they have been the better team all season long. Five on five. Um, again, talk about it at length in the preview. And we're getting plus 115. I think we may get some spots where it's plus 120 again. So we can go right back to the well with Detroit. Again, no promises as far as whether they win or lose the game. Again, it's just a matter of coin flip. We're getting a weighted coin on our side here with plus 115, plus 110. Uh, 110 is sort of my stoppage point with regards to taking the value um, when it comes to uh, the Red Wings. And then finally, Florida and Carolina. And Carolina starting to come into range here. It seems like there's obviously some concern about the defense and to a you know certain extent the goaltending as you know the game against Columbus was a complete bleep show. 15 chances for, 15 high danger chances for at even strength. 16 though given up for Carolina. I think they tighten that up because you know previous games 9, 9, 2, 5. There was an 11 in there but a 6. Um, you know so you know, I still think obviously Carolina, the much better team here, and my numbers make a fair price on this at 144. So minus 144 for Carolina, plus 144 for Florida, uh, and that's about where the the money line price is for Carolina, sitting at minus 145 right now, where Florida is plus 125. So again, to bet Florida, I would need plus 150, plus 160, something along those lines. We're nowhere near there. So Carolina minus 145 is you know, a perfectly fair price when it comes to betting a favorite. And fundamentally, that's what we're looking to do, right? We're looking to get a fair price for a favorite, right? So say the fair price in this case being, you know, I've got it at 144, which means that there are 58.9% probability of winning the game. And so if they win this game over 100 games, 59% of the time will be up just a little bit, right? So if that's the case, then I just need that to be fair because if we're flipping that coin in a one game situation, right? And it's a 50-50 outcome. If I've got a team that I think is going to win 58% of the time in this one individual game, I'm just looking for a fair price. When it comes to an underdog price where, you know, say I wanted Florida here and, you know, I've got them at 41% chance to win this game and the market's only making it you know, what is the mark making it here? 44% chance. Well, first of all, that's 3% in the wrong direction. I'm going to need that number to be 38, 37, and so on from a market standpoint, which of course means, you know, plus 155, plus 160, and, you know, upwards. So I know that I'm probably not going to win that game because I'm acknowledging that the chances are only about 41% that my team wins. So in order to take that risk to take that chance of losing that game i'm going to need value in order to do it because i'm on the wrong side of 50 50. in the case of carolina if i'm getting an appropriate price and i'm on the right side of 50 50 then i'm willing to pay that price to see that one game in action hopefully that makes some sense for everybody out there so again, just the two play, or sorry, the three plays here, Carolina, Detroit, and then Edmonton back in the north. Uh, tomorrow, 
Uh, a new guest on the podcast that should be familiar to those interested in the sports betting landscape. Not to spoil it, but we'll dive into college basketball and get deep into his career path to where he is now. And maybe a little news to announce for the podcast. That's all happening tomorrow. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast and the Action Network game previews. Helps more than you even know. Everything is available at Authentic on Twitter. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.